0: Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry. Namely, the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie ferminger And today's episode is all about one of the most insane filmmaking competitions in the Vancouver screen scene. I'm talking about Crazy Eights. Okay, here's how it goes down. Hundreds of filmmaking teams compete for the privilege of being one of the final six, the chosen ones who will make their films under Crazy Eights bonkers restrictions. Shoot in three days, complete post in five. Of course, they make their films with financial and in-kind support from some of the biggest names in the biz. And then they screen their winning films at the Crazy Eights Gala, AKA one of the biggest hot ticket events in the screen scene calendar, before embarking on often wildly successful film festival runs. But who would want to subject themselves to this? It's eight days. It's eight days to make a film. And, And why? And how does making films in the Crazy 8's pressure cooker impact what we ultimately see on screen? Well, today, I'll be speaking with two such filmmakers with film screening on May 1st at the Crazy 8's Gala. And of course, the gala and the Red Hot After Party will be taking place online. First up is Tesh Gutikanda. Tesh is the filmmaker behind Mom vs. Machine, the story for which he developed with Friend of the Pod and apparently his roommate Praneet Akilah. I only know Tesh from Mom vs. Machine, and I can safely say, even, even with just that one film, that he is one of my favorite filmmakers, because Mom vs. Machine is a revelation, especially to a girl with an immigrant dad from India who also happens to love dystopian sci-fi and gaming. The film stars Praneet as a gamer bro, and. Nemet Kanji, as a mom who just wants to feed her son, her ungrateful gamer dude bro son. And he won't let her because he just bought an AI replicator machine to make him all his favorite dishes. Things go awry, as things often do go awry when you bring in the weird future AI tech. And we actually get one of my favorite face-offs in the history of Crazy Eights, mom versus machine. All right, Tesh. Let's talk. Let's talk all about this film. This this joyous, a, bonkers film.
1: That's an incredible intro. I'm I'm deeply touched, and uh, I'm I'm so glad that you enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> I a, a I one. absolutely enjoyed it. Um, and I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you why if you want to know why. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to me to see a representation of like my aunt um and like a different kind of indian son than we normally see on screen where yes their culture informs you know some of the the story points like the way that you know uh love language is often wrapped up in food you know in our culture um but that's not what the whole, like the whole thing isn't about, Oh my, how am I wrestling with my culture? And it, it's a, it's an exciting sci-fi, funny story. And we get to see like the, seeing Nimet Kanji who is a brilliant actor of stage and screen, uh, facing incredible. off against like an AI robot. Like I'm so grateful that I got the chance to see that and that you put that on screen. So I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have all these questions, but I think I want to start with, did you know, I don't like yes or no questions, but you can, you can leap off from there. Did you know what a film like this would mean to someone like me?
1: Um, absolutely, because yeah. it means so much to someone like me. Yeah. Um, this is the exact kind of um, stuff that I've been wanting to see on screen for years. and. Um, you know, with, with Crazy 8s, it was that kind of opportunity where the timing was right, and I realized, you know, it's like, instead sort of waiting for someone else to put it on screen, it's a bad time, I just stepped it up and just made the kind of movies that I want to see. Um, and not just movies that talked about our, you know, there, there's so many movies that just kind of hurt about, like, our shot at just expressing ourselves, but this is just like, I really want to move past that, I want to tackle complex characters and put them into situations, but You know it's because we're all complex human beings and there's so much more to us than just our parents telling us not to chase their careers or settle for an arranged marriage or whatever right so yeah Yeah, shocking eh
0: and yet it's it's not shocking to us but it you know in a in a an entertainment industry that you know is rooted in that white gaze you know, that is how we, that's how we are often portrayed. That's how we're often um, perceived as a result, you know, by the larger, the larger film audience. Talk to me about the inspiration though, like the specifics. And, and I mean, cause food, I got hung, hungry watching this by the way, but like food is yeah. a huge part of this, of the film, you know? So like, tell me about, you know, where all of these different elements came from, you know, and, uh, and then how you threw them all together.
1: Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, it actually started with Praneet. Um, he bought his mom this thing called Roti Matic over the course of the pandemic. And she was actually kind of livid because she loves to cook for him. And she actually like goes on YouTube, looks at recipes, always like tries to up her game, which is incredible for an Indian mom. And then he's just like, here's a automatic roti making machine. There you go. Oh, Next, Praneet. You know.
2: <laughs> oh, I know. I know.
1: And then so, so when, when he was telling me the story, it immediately it was like, Oh my God, that's just so much there. Cause, I, my mom also loves to cook for me. Um, we we kind of speak like, you know, as it goes with Indian moms, it's just like incredible. And um, it made me realize how much their love language is through food and um, especially Indian food, where it's just been passed down for so many generations and so much rich variations between everything. And I'm sorry, I'm still it, stuck it was,
0: on the fact that Praneet, lovely Praneet, bought his mother something called a rotimatic.
1: Yeah, it's an automatic roti making
0: machine. (laughs) I need to to this. I mean, I guess the good thing is that some beautiful art came out of it. Um, Yeah. I wonder what happened to that rotimatic.
1: I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. uh, We we definitely, we used the rotimatic in our actual initial pitch video for Crazy 8s. We tracked one down in Vancouver to shoot it, to kind of show this, like, imposing AI thing. But obviously... um, I had this idea for a few years about machines replacing people. Like Previously, mm-hmm. it was about like a cab driver having to deal with um, self-driving cars and stuff, but that was mm-hmm. not quite at the epic scale as this is. And then uh, taking that even further to what if machines can replace people through creativity or authentic expression, or what if they can make biryani, um, that just takes it to a whole another level. And that really, you know, when we deal with extremes, get a chance to grapple with uh, what we really care about and what makes us so like you know it's, it's what are we fighting for and all of that so uh, it, it was no-brainer for me once he told me that story that she, she had to fight a machine she had to take it on and that came from just my huge love for everything from tollywood to anime to um, you know video games and everything and yeah. just Looking at the culture around us, it, it slowly just kind of became like, oh, what are what are the fun ways that we can just bring this idea to life and just putting a list down. And then um, that, that was one of the fun parts about the Crazy 8s is uh, because this idea came to us right around the time that the Crazy 8s events opened up. It right. started with the pitch, really. And then when it came to the pitch, we were like, let's just pitch the craziest fun thing that we want to see on screen. Uh, with no regard to how we're gonna make it. And then it just kind of evolved from there to find the story and to find the heart in it. And then of course the heart is the most important thing, you know, yeah. uh, the relationship between the mom and the son. And that's where it really came down to reflecting uh, my own relationship with my mom. And, um, you know, choosing to have a Indian mom as a lead is always that opportunity to c- feel that empathy towards her you know and that's also going back to representation we see so many stories that come from uh, my perspective I've already seen the thing where the son is fighting to prove to their parents that they're worthy of their validation or that they are worthy of freedom or expressing but then like you have these badass people which are parents immigrating here across the world and just fighting and working and adjusting and at the same time raising us and having no idea what we're getting ourselves into as well yeah. as we go out into an elementary school. And then I run into a playground and someone's like, Hey man, do you want to watch the latest episode of dragon ball Z? And then it's like coming back with that. So it, it was really about that integration. And I'm so glad that this story also opened up that opportunity to empathize with my mom, um, and figure out what her struggles are, where, where is she coming from. And, um, it, it's, to me, that's, that's probably the most special part about this is being able to bring her character to life and the grandma character to life. and mm. um, Yeah.
0: Okay. Has your mom and also Praneet's mom, have, <laughs> have they seen this film yet? I know that it still has to premiere on May 1st. Are you holding yeah. it for them to watch? But like have they had a chance to pre-screen it? Because I want to know what they think so bad.
1: I um, uh, believe Praneet's parents, have seen it, but uh, my own. I'm, I'm very nervous about showing this to them because I kind of, I kind of go places with it where I feel like they'll not necessarily understand why I went for the direction I did. Because mm-hmm. as much as I kind of wanted to bring her character to life, I also integrated with so much genre and stuff, which is not necessarily my parents' cup of tea. And uh, yeah. my dad's an engineer; he's very pragmatic. Um, so I'm always nervous about showing my parents stuff cause they, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to show it to them to see what they think as well. But I have Play not.
0: them this interview first. They'll okay. listen to the interview. They'll hear me just raving about it and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. that'll contextualize it a little bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, that'll help. Okay. So you created, uh, this, one of my favorite films of the year, honestly, uh, in, you know, in the Crazy 8's pressure cooker during COVID, um, what were some of the challenges presented? <laughs> I always love why, asking the Crazy 8's filmmakers about challenges, because they're like, oh, ah, it's really exhausting. And then, but then you, I mean, you're the first year of Crazy 8's filmmakers who also had COVID, you know, on top of it. So what was that like is not a professional question, but what was it like?
1: Um. I mean, filmmaking is in itself challenging, especially when you have so much going into it. You have stunts, special effects, VFX, all of that stuff. Yeah. So normally in any other year, it would already be pretty difficult, but it's like making movies in COVID feels like you're playing a video game at its hardest level, unlocking the greatest difficulty and just taking it even further and being like, sure, let's just bring that on. Uh, it's it, You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of uncertainty because you want to, Um, keep everybody safe. Uh, And till we finish wrap, we don't necessarily know for sure as to uh, what could go wrong or anything, especially because safety is the most important thing going into this. You know, we don't want to be reckless. Like, yes, we want to create our art, but it's also really important to still be mindful that there is a pandemic (laughs) raging and that there is um, a lot of safety precautions that need to be taken into account. So it made us very mindful of each other, and I think it made us very mindful about um the people that we're bringing on board and we have so many union professionals come on to help right. us so we didn't want to like take that um we didn't want to be the reason that the bigger shows got shut down or anything so it re- definitely made us put in those extra protocols and everything but honestly oh I, I,
0: sorry can we just i want to stay with that yeah. point so because yeah, you're right. Like a lot of the, it's all volunteers, right. That come out to, yeah. to help. And in a city like Vancouver, our volunteers are the people from, you know, all these network shows. And so if they, if they get something on your show, you could be responsible for shutting down the flash or shutting down yeah. Superman and Lewis, but you didn't. Yeah. That's so good.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, our coordinator is from Superman and Lewis. So yeah. It's, uh, um, <laughs> it's, it's Incredibly, um, you know, and, and that's the thing is, it's not just, uh, uh, shutting down. It's careers. It's people yeah. making a livelihood. And we really took that responsibility in hand. But honestly, I feel like it's not necessarily a bad thing. It made us very aware of treating people right and, mm. um, very aware of setting up a safe, um, place for everybody to work. And thankfully we did. We, we had a fantastic team, um, and, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't necessarily see making it as a bad thing if you're taking in all the precautions necessary. And uh, I'm, I'm glad we got the opportunity to be a little bit more mindful going yeah. into it because otherwise we just like, ah, yeah, so let's bring in so many people and just go shoot this. We didn't. Yeah. We that have, often uh, is how it, it works, crews. right?
0: You're like, everybody come on and help. And it, because it, it can be very yeah. festive. Um, yeah. Was there anything that was good about doing it? Uh, or Obviously, it was good to do Crazy Eights, but the experience of making this film—like, uh, what? How did it impact what we saw? How did the Crazy Eights pressure cooker impact what we saw on screen? Because you only have three days to shoot, right? Was there anything that was good about shooting, you know, under with those kind of restrictions?
1: I, um, I think what happens ultimately is that you just. Fully, fully, just tap into your instincts, and mm-hmm. uh, you know there, there was a lot of prep that went into it, but in, in those three days, it really came down to what was this movie and I will tell you this that this movie is different to what I set out to make in some ways in the sense that it 's funnier it 's uh, definitely leaning on more comedy than the drama that initially was something that I built around it, but you mm-hmm. know it's it 's finding out what the movie is to just making those quick rapid choices that right. I think ultimately like took out a lot of fat, um, the fat around it I think it just became um, the version it should be I think because it, it, you know it's, it's kind of like uh, George Lucas getting a chance to make Phantom Menace versus uh, A New Hope you know it's like <laughs> just throwing a whole bunch of more stuff in that was just blow you know I had like all these crazy shots and angles and stuff like that that was all style but then. When we had to shoot in at such a fast crunch time, I had to quick cutting shots, You're and what went down. was yeah. the style, and it just became more story focused. And you know, in retrospect, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think yeah. it's great that it was more about the story and less about the flashy stuff. Because oh man, there's so much more flashy stuff left on the table. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's kind of, and I think at the end of that, you you truly find out who you are as a filmmaker. Um, I learned so much about not only the film and the storytelling, but also about who I am as a filmmaker and what do I want to change next time? Because it's in the pressure cooker that you really get to see like um, past Mm. all of the masks that you put up with your networking and all of that stuff. You know, it's like you get to be your truest self, I think. And so
0: who are you as a filmmaker and what do you want to change for next time?
1: Um definitely something I'm I'm learning right now still. It's been a very reflective month. But honestly I, I um I went into this trying to prove something and I just wish I understood that all I had to do was just be there and make the thing and uh, have more fun on set and just have faith in the fact that the person who I grew up to be um we'll always get to make those choices from moment to moment. It's those choices that ultimately shape the film and just being able to collaborate with these amazing people all around me means they also get to add their little bit into it. And over the course of it, it just becomes its own thing that is so far beyond me or what I even imagined was capable. You know, at the end of the day, the, Film is just a mix of so many immigrant kids just coming together and pouring in their heart. And so, a production mm-hmm. designer who's a huge anime fan drew the anime posters, did so much that just never even ended up on the film. She took this like one piece anime uh, manga collection I had and readed the spines on each of them with like a custom manga label that never even ended up what? on the screen. Um, Director Scott, know, our, our, <laughs> our composer Bobek, and. Um, even um, the co-composer, Kevin, like, you know, um, he, he comes from an immigrant background coming in from South Africa and moving to Newfoundland, but then also having this, like, sense of what anime is and the music is and being able to integrate all these different influences. And all I, all I realize is, like, I, I just want to do more of this. I want to have more fun on set next time. And I just want to be more present and uh, just let the magic of what everybody brings to the table just do its work. And... Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's I, I learned that directing is not about just putting my foot down and asking for things but more so just like being incredibly open to the collaboration after doing all the prep that's necessary and your instincts kick in and your experience kick in and uh who you're on in the moment just yeah like it's, it's it's actually it's it's been a it's been incredible honestly the entire experience of it and well it's uh, not over yet yeah you yeah. still
0: have the screening so how about we end with the end how do you want people to feel when the end credits
1: are rolling i just want a multitude of emotions a i just want them have. to have had a fun and a blast but also just um wanting to just call your mom and uh you know just say hey i'm so sorry for being a jerk sometimes and uh Just giving, wanting to give your mom a big hug and then just wanting more. I also want to leave people wanting more because there is a lot more where this came from. Yeah. This is why representation matters, right? It's like it's not just about um, telling, you know, it's it's about telling stories that just elevate and take it beyond just like brown people on screen. It's like I just want people to see us for the complex fun human beings we are i want an indian mom to be hilarious and awesome and badass and you know put her up there with terminator like you know linda hamilton or sigurney weaver like why not nimik kanji's a star yes she
0: absolutely is okay i want that you make that happen for me (laughs) for all of us Tesh guti kanda where can our listeners find you follow you celebrate you on the social media.
1: Uh, I'm on Instagram, so you can find me at TashGK. Uh, I'm trying to be more active on Twitter. <laughs> I, I've kind of put it off for so long, but uh, this, this entire crazy experience exactly led me to also having my eyes open. I used to be such an introvert and just like shy about putting myself out there, but yeah. I realized like the best thing that we can do, especially uh, when we do want to say representation matters, is put ourselves out there because You never know who's going to really connect with your work. And it's really important to just make the kind of stuff that you want to see on screen.
0: I am delighted to welcome back actor, filmmaker and earliest friend of the podcast, Luvia Peterson, to the Why Bear Screen Scene Podcast. Luvia helmed one of the most nuanced and thought-provoking films in this year's Crazy Eights, I, Dorothy. Actually, it's a little I, so it's like, I, Dorothy. A man loses his wife and brings her back to life thanks to AI and other rad future tech. But will her rescued consciousness remember the ugliness of her final days? Luvia directs two of our city's most celebrated and sublimely talented actors, Hiro Kanagawa and Carmen Moore, in a film that ruminates on grief, love, and the ethics of trying again when one party doesn't have all of the information. Oh, and Livia's in it too. And there's a motorcycle. (laughs)
2: Livia, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much, Sabrina. Thank you for that thoughtful introduction. It's so interesting to hear someone else describe your film back to you. Hmm. And and it, it warms my heart to hear your words and your perspective, and uh, just to hear what you felt when you watched it.
0: How do you describe your film?
2: Uh, so I usually say it's a grieving widower who brings his wife's memories back in a biosynthetic replica. And when she starts having these flashes of memories she isn't sure if she's malfunctioning because this is what women do right is there something wrong with me it must be me um yes. you know what i mean this is something carmen and i talked about so she starts having these doubts about herself and um at the end a terrifying truth is revealed yes it is yes it is <laughs>
0: Okay, so where, where, does I, where does I Dorothy come from? And when, yes. I, when I say that, I mean, in, what was the inspiration? Absolutely. How did this come out of you? Absolutely. How and why?
2: I mean, so Hula Landa wrote the script and when I first read it, I saw my parents. I saw them so clearly, my heart cracked right open. Oh. I might start crying. I, I'm already I to, crying. Just yeah, before. okay, great, let's just cry through this whole thing. I remember having this conversation with my mom and she said, I think she had just turned 60 and she said, Oh, I regret all the things I didn't do. And I'm like, mom, you're sick. You know, you still have your whole life ahead of you, but there's this feeling, or at least that's what I understood in that moment. There was a feeling of it's too late and certainly that's what—that's one of the themes that Dorothy, who's played by the amazing Carmen Moore, mm. is dealing with. Um, and I just, I love Hewlett's script because there's a beautiful moment of redemption at the end. Um, and, and I hope that both my mother and father, when they watch this film, they see themselves, you know, and, and anyone who has felt... Like maybe they shouldn't drive out of their lane. Society prescribes you a lane and you stay in it. Hmm. Well, this movie is for the people who want to let the vehicle veer off into a new path. Um, Livia, isn't that what you're doing? I, th- I Yeah, I guess
0: so, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, because you are, I mean, this, this, this beloved actress about town, um, (laughs) who, you know, and you are, you know, this is not your first film, but you know, you're really developing your voice here. I feel like this is the, um, I feel like this is the, the strongest, um, I have heard your directorial vision If you can hear a vision, let's just say you can. Yes. Livia made me cry before we started (laughs) and I'm having a hard time just keeping up because she said all these really nice things to me. Um, But, you know, isn't that something that that you're doing? Like what does the film Um, represent as far as, you know, you veering into a
2: a different lane? Absolutely. It's, you know, part of me goes, how dare I? You know, I have a career. I'm an actor. How dare I now try to wear a new hat? Yeah, and 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 it's been an interesting experience as I've been coming out of this new closet, the directing closet, because uh, it does <laughs> so come, many closets. So <laughs> many, jeez, where did all these closets come from? <laughs> so so that's that's what is happening now, and I. But I got to tell you, because I've broken out of so many closets, it's easier and easier the more you do it. I'm and, picturing the Kool Aid Man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> rector <laughs> i will note
0: though when i first met you it must have been 2013 was it 2013 oh my was gosh
2: continuum 2013 yep. yeah 2012 2013 yeah. 2012
0: 20 yeah it was around there yeah. um you had just been nominated for a csa right. but you weren't even supposed to be acting that day on the set of continuum you That's were right. there to to shadow the, th- this lady
2: that we know, <laughs> just this human, lady. This, this legend just up and coming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, you were there to shadow Amanda Tapping, so it's not yeah. like this is a this is something that you've just thought of. Yeah, yeah you know. it's
2: it's true. It's so funny because I've, you know, the seed was planted a long time ago, mm. but I always felt kind of like this. If I can use the Zoom to, I was like. We are Uh, an audio uh, podcast. Oh, we are so no one can see me. No one I can see. So I'm on the edge of my screen. I'm like, can can I be a director? Can I sit in this chair? Is this okay, no, no. You know what I mean? Like a tentative approach. Even back like even back then when I was shadowing Amanda, it felt performative. My 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 claim to, oh, I'm here to shadow Amanda. I want to direct. And I don't know that I believed it still. I was just saying it. And I think maybe that's just been my journey is I just say things that I that I hope for but there's a part of me that's like okay this isn't gonna happen no, really do you really feel you know there's that voice that's like let's be real at the end of the day like it's nice to have dreams and everyone should and that's very good but uh, you're not gonna actually have a directing career I don't know whose voice that is but it, it follows me everywhere and screw it. I mean, it's your been followed. I mean, you believe it now? Do you believe yeah. it oh, now? Yeah. I mean, I watched your film. You believe it now? I believe it now. And, <laughs> and to speak Good. to what you said, this film cracked my heart open in a way that the, my other, the other projects haven't. And Hula and I were talking about the film. And there was a moment where I started crying. And she she's like, oh, my God, yes, that's the film. And I was like, yes, I feel it. I feel the film. It's in me. I haven't felt that before. Mm. Now that I have that feeling, I don't want to do any project that I don't feel in my heart. Oh, I cannot wait to see where you take us next. However, before we move
0: to the next, let's talk a bit more about I, Dorothy. But- um, I, Dorothy, I mean, it's a perfect example of a short film where it's, because I, you know me, I have such love and respect for the short film mm. uh, medium, and I really love shorts that can pull me in take me on a journey and leave me just thinking so many thoughts and feeling so many things and i dorothy raises some big questions about big things like grief and memory and loss and this Mm -hmm. really sci-fi but not that far off in the future sci-fi thing about who should retain ownership Mm -hmm. of a person's consciousness Mm -hmm. after death yeah. So, Livia, where do you stand on, on this issue of
2: what? uploading human
0: consciousness? Is this a thing you would, you would want done to yourself or that you would want?
2: Well, we're not far off. We're not. But who owns the intellectual property of actors? So in, mm-hmm. in Star Wars, you know, Princess Leia comes back. But we all know that uh, or she wasn't a princess. She was an admiral. Uh, in the she was one. a general. Or general, thank you. General Organa. General Argana, you know, who owns that yeah. character? And who owns us? And that's actually was the gestation of this idea from Hewlett's standpoint. She remembered reading about IPs of actors and who owns those rights. Well, wouldn't that be interesting if you could bring back someone who had passed away? Do you have that right? does that have to be put in the will now? Yeah. And we're not that far off. <laughs> Hula and I both decided, I, Dorothy, was 3D printed, and you can 3D print meat now. You can, they use, yeah, I know, right? They can 3D print like a steak or a burger, so we're not that far off. They're using stem cells and, you know, science. Um, and so I, the- I, I love science. I love science. I love science, but science without um without ethics, without ethical considerations,
0: like mm-hmm. that's, that's scares me. But then I also recognize, oh my gosh, you know, it made me think. I mean, your film made me think. Mm-hmm if I could bring someone back who I've lost, who I love, yep. you know, um, would I, should I, my cat,
2: should I? Yeah. I mean, it'll certainly start with pets probably as a pilot project. Would I? Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, my, I don't know if I've ever told you this story and we won't, we won't dive too deep, but my father, my biological father was killed when I was seven months old.
0: Oh my God.
2: Yeah, and I, I never had the opportunity to meet him. So I only know of him.
0: Mm.
2: What would I give for an afternoon with this man?
0: Yeah.
2: you know, To know where I come from. Uh, my, my mother's told me so many times, oh my gosh, you remind me of your father in all these different ways and you're just like him. And, but he's a story to me. Yeah. He's, he's a, a fable. Mm. Um, so yeah, you bring up a great question. I might. I might, too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'd have to read all of the many pages of small print, though. You know? Yes, you would. <laughs> and, and then I'd have to know about consent as well. You know, like this person like would need to consent, or p- pet. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> they need to consent that they, yep. they would need to o- have autonomy over themselves. Um, OK. Putting, let's, let's move on from the tears just beneath our skin. Although this might make you cry. I want to talk about Hiro and Carmen, um, who are both just remarkable artists and Mm -hmm. so well cast. Um, Tell me about um, the special qualities that each one brought to their roles. Let's
2: start with Hiro. He's so thoughtful. He's so specific. He asks in-depth questions. And he makes the story better every single time you have a conversation with him about it. And it helps he, that
0: he's a playwright as well, I, right? Like that. That yeah, helps. He's, he's no, slouch. Yeah. <laughs> no
2: slouch. He elevated this story in such a way there was, a, there was a moment on set, you know, that part where he says, you're my wife, you're my wife. Yeah. After we cut, i literally jumped up and down, put my hands in the air and said, oh my God, you're, people are going to think I'm an amazing director. This is like, <laughs> I just I got so, and you know, I asked Hiro, why do you do this? You don't have to, you have a career. What are you doing here? Like, thank you. But what? And he said, it's, it's fulfilling. And it was that simple. It's fulfill. It fulfills him. Cause he's an artist. You are yeah, all artist. He's an artist.
0: Yeah. Now, what about, we put a lot of respect on Carmen Moore's name oh my here gosh. on this podcast. I no su- doubt. I am such a, <laughs> a Carmen Moore stan. I should be a hero stan as well. But, um, I mean, she is, she is the, the Dorothy or the door in yes. I, Dorothy. Why, why, why was this role for her?
2: Well, I've been a fan of Carmen's for quite some time. And I've, I've always hoped I'd get an opportunity to work with her. Mm-hmm. And it, the opportunity wasn't coming. I, I wasn't being cast next to her, so I thought, "Well, I'll cast her, and then I'll sneak myself into the movie, and we'll get to work together." And you know that—that uh-huh. was, that this was explains our your your appearance at <laughs> the <didn't> end. <laughs> I, I, I've always wanted to work with her, and I'm so grateful she said yes. And I knew right away. So we we had an opportunity to have a rehearsal. And as soon as Hero and Carmen looked into each other's eyes and we we did some improvisation, as soon as they just stood, the whole room went, Mm. like it just, they dropped into the story and they informed me Mm. on a deeper, uh, more uh, authentic level that I had been able to explore just by reading the script. They brought it into their bodies and I understood Sal and Dorothy in a way that I hadn't you can't. You can't academically understand the heart of a script until an actor lends their uh, perspective to it, their life experience, and that's what uh, Carmen and Hero did so beautifully. So beautifully!
0: Can't wait for people to see this film, uh, and it won't be long. It won't be long. May first. That's when the Crazy Eights <laughs> online gala screening and virtual after party will be happening. Um, What would you like people to feel when the end credits are rolling on I, Dorothy? What questions would you like them to have? What conversations would you like them to have? Or what would you just like them to be sitting in?
2: Well, it was important that I didn't villainize either of these characters. Mm. And I don't want to give away too much, but it's too easy to make someone the villain. Mm. And so I hope they see the humanity and maybe they see themselves or a part of themselves and maybe they're inspired to do that thing that they've been holding off on doing because they don't think that they're allowed. I love that.
0: Like mm-hmm. you acting in a film with Carmen Moore. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like me going, I have a casting idea. I, I brought that up to Crazy Eights. I was like, you know, it's COVID. We want to limit people on set. I can say words. and You, you, you know, say
0: words so, so good. <laughs>
2: thank you. And, and, so, and so I thought, Do you, are you opposed to me jumping in front of the camera? And They were uh, on, on board 100%. The first time I asked. So
0: how did you handle those moments?
2: Uh, I tried not to get in my own way. You know, I I was so inspired by what Carmen and Hero were doing that I was like, okay, I I just need to not get in the way of this yeah. and just sit here with Carmen um, and not overcomplicate it and just just trust, trust that whatever is captured is what is supposed to be captured. There are movie goddesses out there. I, I felt them on set. Mm. And so I, I put a lot of this film in their hands when we started rolling on day one and I don't regret it.
0: And you shouldn't, it's beautiful. <laughs> Luvia, you're one of my favorite humans. Uh-huh. Um, where can people find you, follow you and celebrate you on all the social needs?
2: Absolutely, uh, LuviaPeterson.com. And, you know, speaking about coming out as a director, that used to be my actor's website. It is now my directing website. So, wow. Yeah. I'm, Who knew I'm, that there were closets for websites? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm coming out as a, a director first. Um, wow. It doesn't mean I'm going to stop acting, but I have a directing agent now. And so that's where you can find me. And I, this is what I want to do. You're doing it. I'm doing it.
0: You are actually you, doing it. You
2: literally are what you do, yeah. right? Whatever you're doing, that's what you are. So I'm directing. So I'm a, I'm a bloody director. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I'm drinking this sparkly water at the Brian Marketson mug. And I guess that makes me a podcaster. I don't know. Yes. All right. Absolutely. I, I dropped the plot. I dropped the plot. All right. Thank you, Luvia. Thank you, Tesh. Crazy Eights 2021 online gala screening and the Red Hot Virtual After Party takes place on May 1st, 2021. You can get your tickets and learn all about all of these brilliant and beautiful and bonkers films at crazyeights.film. Please like and subscribe. You can leave us a review if you're so inclined. They help us find even more listeners. You can find us at www.yvrscreensy.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Ferminger, double a for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment join us next time for another deep dive into vancouver's dynamic dynamic film and television scene and cut this ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of hollywood north history the fish flight in the 1980s the fish flight was an early morning flight from vancouver that delivered fresh fish to los angeles before the start of the business day